Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist. We're glad that you're here today. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us. Our youth are preparing to go to a mission trip to Thomasville, North Carolina today. We will be talking more about that later in our service, but we encourage and we welcome your prayers for the coming week um, as we head to Thomasville to do uh, mission activities. We are glad that you are here with us today. Uh, We are excited to be in the house of our Lord. And my prayer is that each of us would prepare our hearts as we prepare to worship this morning. Morning. Please join me in our call to worship, Spirit of the Living God. Colossians chapter 1, 13 through 22. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in his mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach, reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, become a minister. Our opening hymn this morning is number 200. If you would, please um, join me in singing and please stand. Number 200. us here at Bowling Springs Baptist this morning. Uh, before I pray this morning and as a part of my prayer, I want to ask the youth to join uh, Alan and, and everyone else down front. If you guys could come on up this morning, we're going to have a prayer for you guys as you head off on your mission trip. I'm going to ask Alan to come up and share a little bit about where the youth are going and what they'll be doing this week. But if you guys would just line up down front and we'll have a special time of prayer for you in just a moment. Alan? Well, as I, as I mentioned 
uh, briefly earlier, we are going to Thomasville, North Carolina this afternoon. Uh, we are going to be working and partnering with the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home and specifically the North Carolina Baptist Aging Ministry. Um, and so what we're going to be doing is that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week, uh, we will be going to different people's homes in the uh, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, Thomasville, Lexington area and be doing things like yard work, housework, visitations, and different things like that. Uh, this is a trip that we did last year as well. We took eight last year. We're excited to have more than eight this year. We have 13 youth that are going to be going with us, and we also have five adults. Uh, I, I want to make sure they don't go unnoticed. Uh, Mary and I are going. Debbie Weiss is going to be going with us. Uh, Malia Nolan is going to be meeting us there tomorrow, and then Kenny Collins is going to be meeting us there midweek. And so we remain seated in the sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, they're here. They're just being shy. Um, but we do appreciate them and, and them coming on the trip next week. We appreciate your prayers. Uh, we appreciate your support as we get uh, ready to go on this mission trip. I know that it's not a uh, faraway, exotic place, although Thomasville, uh, it can get pretty rowdy at times. Um, but, we, but, it, but it's important to, to go and to do this kind of local mission work and to be able to have the opportunity to do this kind of thing. I do want to share one quick story. Last year when we went, we helped a lady move and we spent all day helping this lady move from one house to another. Um, and we are excited to have the opportunity to actually go back and help this lady again this year. And so I think it's really cool to be able to see our mission work from last year to carry over to this year as well. And so we're excited about this opportunity to have some fun in Thomasville, but also to be on mission uh, to do the work that God has called us to do. So we appreciate your prayers in the coming week as we leave this afternoon and return on Thursday. Thank you, Alan. I just need to mention two prayer requests, and I know there are multiple requests that we could mention this morning, but remember G.H. Walton and Barbara as G.H. is there at the Duke Hospital. Um, and also remember Jane Stroud, who also happens to be at the Duke Hospital this weekend. And so remember each of them in your thoughts and prayers. As I pray today, I want to ask the youth if they would just grab the hand of the one next to you and just hold hands. Yes, you can do it, guys. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Ellen. Ellen's joining the crew, but uh, hold hands. But guys, we'll be praying for you in church. I'm going to ask you, the names are in your bulletin. So take this bulletin with you, put it somewhere where you can see it each day and be mindful of them. And as I pray this morning, I would like to invite you to pick a guy and pick a girl and pray for them. You may not know their name this morning or you may, but pick one, uh, of, of, pick a guy and a girl and uh, would you pray for them? And I'll give you a moment maybe to pray not only for them, but maybe a concern that you have this morning as well. Uh, we'll give you a moment of silence to do that, and then I will lead our prayer time together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the privilege to be called your children. We thank you for the privilege that you give us that we can go and serve and share in your name. It is the name of Jesus that brings us here today, and it is the name of Jesus that leads us to go and to serve beyond these walls. It will not always be easy. It will be downright difficult at times. But Father, we pray that you would give these youth strength physically and give them strength as in the heat and, and the other uh, in ways they will need it this week. But Father, we pray that you would uh, send them forth this morning with your Holy Spirit and that, Father, that through their actions and through their words, that they would proclaim the name of Jesus this week in Thomasville. Bless Alan and all the leaders this week. Keep them safe. Provide for their needs. Lord, we lift up others in our church family that need you in a very special way at this moment. We pray for Jane Stroud there at the Duke Hospital and family that surrounds her. We pray also for G.H. and Barbara Walton as well. We pray that you would bring healing to each of these. We know of many others in our congregation as well that are sick or maybe that are out of town and traveling uh, today and this coming week. We ask for traveling mercies for those that are away from us. Lord, we ask for your blessings on our service here today. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, we thank you for all your many blessings and we commit the remainder of this service to you. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Thank you, youth. I'm a little short on children this morning, but I want to share with you a scripture that would have been their lesson today. It's from Matthew 4, 
verses 19 and 20. Come and follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed them. Now Clay Bryson told me today that I had to throw back what I called, that it was a little small. But my lesson today to the youth and to the children would have been, you are fishers of men, but remember to be fishers of men, you must be patient. Because I'm not a fisherman and I don't like to sit very long to wait. But as you meet this lady that you unpacked and packed last year and see how she's gone through the year, you are fishers of men. And you will see why God has sent you to work with these people. So as you work through this week, be patient. Know that God has chosen you to lead, to give, and to share. It's that love that you have in your heart that God placed there for you to give it away. So just be good and take care of Alan. Our hymn is number 198, At the Name of Jesus, 198. If you would, if you're able, please stand and join me in singing. preacher asked me to ask the offering prayer, I sat back there daydreaming. The guys came up here and stood. I was still daydreaming. <laughs> so the preacher said the prayer. This week he asked me to do it again. I forgot it till this morning. So I said, well, it's best not to think about it because that way it's from the Spirit instead of some prepared text. I'm awful heartened to see the young people going on mission. When I was their age, there wasn't much opportunity for that, but so I got older, I went to a lot of mission trips with them, doing construction work while they did mission work, in some cases construction too. Any of you never been on missions, 
you'd be surprised what a joy it is. It's, I don't know hardly how to explain it. If you've done it, you know. And well, a good many of you have, I can tell by seeing the faces up here, but there's hardly anything like it. You go try to help somebody, and I think a lot of times you feel as good or better than they did. If you've never been on a mission trip, I encourage you to, and the, you young folks that are going, hope as you get to be adults, you'll go again. It's truly a blessing. Okay, this church has been here since 1847. The reason it's kept up is because we supported it. Not only with our money, but our time and labor. So I encourage y'all to do that if you're not involved already. And I could do more myself, but age just slowed me down somewhat. Okay, let's pray. Dear Father, you look out in the lot, you can see a lot of fine automobiles. You look out in this crowd, you see a lot of fine clothes. We're all doing well. I dare say none of us have been hungry this last week, probably this last year or for a long time. None of us have gone without a roof over our head. So you really blessed us. But sometimes in living the life of our present affluent society, relatively to most of the world, we forget that there's others not as fortunate. In our own small way, with our offering goes for our mission, it goes to keep this church up that does all these programs, the children's programs, the adults' programs too. But it takes money to do it. That's just our modern way. We don't give lambs and grain anymore and things like that. But here's our opportunity to bless you by giving offering, and it'll bless us too in the long run. So thank you for the opportunity to do so. Thank you for this church that keeps all these programs going. Thank you for ourselves that we give them the life that a lot of people don't have. For all these things, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, please continue to bless us as you have. Amen.
I'll be, it says Acts 4, 1 through 12, but I'll actually be reading Acts 4, 1 through 13. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the morrow, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the morrow, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to, the, to a cripple, by what means this man has been healed? Be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel, and, by, and that by the name of Christ Jesus of, of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, by which has become the head of the corner. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived what they were uneducated, common men, they wondered and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And Willie, thank you for reading. And Bailey earlier, thank you. And uh, Richard, where's Richard? Thank you for that prayer, Richard. And I would know when I ask Richard to pray, we're going to uh, get a little, uh, little challenge there as well. So thank you, Richard, for praying for us this morning. Let me ask you this question. Each family typically has uh, a new idea person. And what I mean by that is... Um, uh, in a family, whether however large or small your family is, there's usually somebody that will say, let's go to this new restaurant in town or let's go to this new place out of town that maybe some others have been talking about. Or it may be that uh, after a while, I remember doing this in my family. I was that new idea kid for my family. I would say, you know, we go to the same place every year for vacation. Why don't we go to this place? Well, they took some of my ideas, but that one didn't take. Um, but we, we didn't go to the new place that I had suggested. But each family has a new idea person. I would like to propose that this morning in the family. Uh, is that person you? Or you make it think of who that person would be in your family. New ideas uh, can sometimes be accepted with energy and excitement and people like, you know, a lot of people are sometimes, you know, always up for a new restaurant or a new adventure. And so some respond well to that. But uh, in your family, 
Though you may be that traditionalist or that person that when the new idea comes up, nope, we've always done this. This is what we do every Friday night or this is what we do every year for vacation. And so there's this, there's this, there's this tension that sometimes, I can see some heads nodding out there. There's this tension that sometimes exists there about the new ideas. But new ideas are a part of what makes the world go round. And new ideas are a part of um, stepping out into the unknown. Some new ideas are great and new traditions start because of a new idea. And then other times we try something new. And just like I've said here as pastor, sometimes we may try something new and look back and say, that didn't go exactly as we planned. We may not try that again. But we try other ideas and they take off and they're great and they're wonderful. Some new ideas that have happened throughout history, uh, you've heard this said before by I, the company, the IBM, we'll have a computer on every desk around the world. At one point, that was a new idea. It was also a new idea that one day we'll create a way for the people to communicate electronically between computers. At one time, that was a new idea. We'll create an electric light bulb that will make the nights as bright as the days. We'll create minimally evasive surgical tools that will go in and fix muscles and hearts without opening up the body, but will go in very small and do things. I don't think we could have imagined that years ago. But again, new ideas can provide excitement and energy, but new ideas can also be threatening or maybe even, even dangerous at times. We've seen this in politics. We've certainly seen it in 2016 election cycle. But we've also seen it in religion as well, when the new ideas begin to challenge the status quo. This was evident um, in 500 years ago, which by the way, this year is 500 years since the uh, Protestant Reformation, when Martin Luther began uh, this uh, emphasis that uh, the Catholic Church was not only corrupt, but they were uh, charging indulgences, they were doing different things to have sins forgiven, and after study and his own reflection and prayers, Martin Luther says no. Uh, it's not by works, it's not by any gifts or attributes or things, but it's by grace through faith. It's by grace, uh, Christ's grace, and through faith alone in Jesus Christ. His new ideas and convictions that the Bible should be in the language of the people was a heresy to many. That was one time a new idea. And the Catholic Church thought if the, if the Bible is in the common man's language, then where does that leave us? And so they weren't too, too fond of this new idea from Martin Luther. In the middle of the 19th century, when men only talked against slavery, no one minded so much. But when these same men took steps to set slaves free, they found opposition that was not easily overcome. In today's text, Peter and John's message was, radically, was a radically new way of relating to God. It went against the Jewish establishment, and with the growing numbers, it was not going over so well for Peter and John. Their new idea, based on the facts as well that they presented, was that Jesus was the Messiah. And there were many leaders that we see in today's text that were not too fond of this new idea. We have been now for several weeks, we took a break last week and we do for special things when we, when we need to, but we have been in a sermon series called Empowered. And that God takes ordinary men and women and fills them with the Holy Spirit and uses them in miraculous ways. Uh, my wife is not feeling well, and so I had the privilege of teaching fifth and sixth grade Sunday school today, and we didn't, our numbers weren't large, but the one thing that I did uh, with those present was talked about Peter and the fact that uh, when, when Peter was following Christ, and Peter was in that intimate circle, Peter, James, and John with Christ, but yet we know of Peter's flaws, we know of Peter's failures. And we see what happened after the resurrection with Peter, uh, of Christ restoring Peter, and the, the way that... Um, the Holy Spirit empowered this flawed, imperfect individual to now be so bold and so uh, have so much courage to go forth in the way into the very in front of the very same people that arrested Jesus and took Jesus to the cross. Peter is now standing boldly, unashamedly, and professing Christ when it would have been much easier for him to have backed down, played it safe. But that's not what Peter did. As Peter was empowered, he stood boldly and proclaimed Christ. But we've been in, in this series called Empowered. We started with Jesus was present at the beginning uh, of, of Acts chapter one. Uh, and again, of course, again, this was written by Luke. Luke kind of picks up where he ends the gospel. He picks back up with Christ. And then of course we have Acts 1-8 where uh, the, the command from Christ is to go, uh, you'll be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Christ ascends to the Father. We have the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and 3,000 new believers. 
I think I think I made a reference that they had to hire some new staff, I believe, after that point for that church. But Peter and John, uh, we see in chapter three, the healing of the lame beggar. And Peter tells, and Peter and John look down to this beggar and it, they tell him, silver and gold we do not have, but the one thing we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the lame man came into the temple leaping, praising God. And Peter again preached what we know in Acts is his second sermon. And so Acts four, where we pick up this morning is after Peter had preached his second sermon, uh, it's no small disturbance that they've created, okay? People are beginning to get upset. The religious leaders are beginning to say, hey, when this was 120 as it was at the beginning of Acts, this wasn't a big deal. But now that thousands are coming to know the Lord, this is starting to be a big deal. And it's not only, it's a big deal because they're teaching, number one, but it's a big deal because they're teaching about the resurrection from the dead. They're teaching about what Christ did and, and the fact that he, he was dead, he was crucified and buried and rose again and that people are starting to follow them. And so the leaders of the day, the high priest and the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees are beginning to become a little upset because this is beginning to threaten. If this really goes through and really starts growing, this is threatening their way of life. And by the way, you know the Sadducees, you know why they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Yeah, anyway, okay. Enough with that. As Peter is now preaching boldly about Christ, I'm certain that he remembered the words of Jesus. You remember these words that Jesus said? Jesus said, be on, be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts. You will be flogged in the synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. We begin to see the words of Jesus play out here in Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. Let's look back to the scripture, and thank you, Willie, for reading this this morning, but let's look back to this Acts chapter 4. It says here that as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, so all these leaders are around, they came upon them. And the reading is there, it's almost this, they were intimidating them. And some of you know what this is like when you're at work and your boss or others have come up to you and you kind of all of a sudden get a sense that, okay, this is not a how are you doing, how was your weekend kind of conversation. They're coming up on you and they're standing a little closer to you. And you begin to feel obviously that there's something that needs to be said. And I imagine that Peter and John felt that way as well. As we go into verse two, it says, being greatly disturbed, or as you look into this, it may say distressed or it may say grieved because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them, they put them in jail overnight. The next morning they brought them out before all the leaders. We pick back up in, in verse six, Annas the high priest, the priestly family was there, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power and what name have you done this? I got a feeling it's not because they wanted to learn more about this Jesus Christ. I don't have that impression here. I don't think you would either. In verse eight, this is where it really starts to get good. Verse eight, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts, whenever it says filled with the Holy Spirit, right after those words, there is a verbal, bold proclamation of Jesus Christ. In a time when Peter and John could have easily tried to placate the situation, um, you know, when Gamaliel stepped in, uh, he steps in later in Acts here and, and says, you know, if this is of God, uh, you know, you, you should back off lest we be fighting against God. But if it is of man, it will go. There's, there's none of those wise words spoken here at this moment. But it says here, when Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, he addressed them. It was, that was very respectful in the way he did that. He said, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, Remember this beggar back in Acts chapter three that we talked about? As to how this man has been made well, or that could be also translated healed, saved, made whole, how he has been restored, if you will. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. You remember back in the gospels when Nathaniel said of Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like every word that Peter says is becoming more and more offensive to the people that he's speaking to at this point. He's probably filling them even more and more with anger. He says, let it be known that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. 
He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which became the, the chief um, cornerstone, which is Psalm 118 that Luke and Peter are quoting here. But there is salvation, rescue, deliverance in no one else, for there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. And what's so amazing is in verse 13 as well, as we think about our theme for our sermon series, um, Empowered, Luke reminds us, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. I can't think of a greater compliment that you or I or any believer could be given than, than to say, than have said of us that we were recognized as having been with Jesus. Peter and John are before these different groups, these different leaders, and they're in great opposition to their teaching and the teaching of Peter and John, it, it is certainly becoming conflictual and problematic for Peter and John. They were teaching and proclaiming to the people Jesus and resurrection from the dead. Again, in front of the same people and some of the same names that were mentioned when you go back and read the story of Christ and his death and his crucifixion, his, his trial, some of the same names are appearing once again and now in front of Peter and John. And they had to know that when they stood in front of those leaders. They knew the possibility of what their words could lead to. And they stood boldly with great courage proclaiming Christ with everything that they had. What if the people began to follow them instead of us? Could have been the thoughts maybe from some of the leaders of the day in the high priestly family. To top it off, again, verse 13 reminds us that they were uneducated and untrained men. I'm sure this infuriated those the, the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin were made up of wealthy uh, landowners, influential um, uh, individuals. Once these same temple guards were sent to arrest Jesus, but his teaching was so powerful that it stopped the guards cold. In John 7, verse 46, they went back to their leaders and explained their failure, saying, no one has ever spoke the way this man does. And they could not follow through on the commands, the charge that they were given. The fact that they were teaching bothered them, but the fact that they were teaching about the resurrection bothered them even more. If the resurrection was true and Jesus was who he said he was, this changes everything. They were not ready to hear that, just as many today still aren't ready to hear the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ for salvation. Peter was not only defending himself, he did what Peter later did, he, excuse me, he did what Paul later did in Rome. He used it as an opportunity to witness about Jesus Christ. Peter and John knew that there would never be a moment like this again. You think about it. You've got all the religious leaders around you ready to accuse you. The easiest thing to do would have been to back off just a little bit. But that's the exact opposite of what Peter and John did. They probably thought, you know, with the greatest marketing campaign ever, we're never going to get all of these leader, leaders in the same place again. Obviously, they knew they could have been stoned or who knows what, but Peter and John both had such boldness. And again, the scripture in Acts says they were both filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, they stood and boldly proclaimed, not knowing what the results would be, salvation in Jesus Christ. They knew they would never have another opportunity like this again. If you want to be laughed at, hated, talked about, persecuted, testify to the exclusive claims of Christianity and it will only be a matter of time. Peter says very boldly here that there is no other name or translated no other authority by which one can be saved. Later in Acts chapter 10 verse 43, Luke writes, he is the one all of the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. In Romans, Paul writes, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus' famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man or no one can come to the Father but through me. Came across this passage, and I love it as well, in thinking about the name of Jesus Christ Matthew 121 says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. There's something about the name of Jesus. I love the music that we've played this morning by music that we've sang and that our instrumentalists have played all pointing to the fact 
that there is salvation in Jesus' name. If Christ is supreme and Lord of all, and it is only by his name that each one of us are saved, then we must be people that share and help others share about the message and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. The youth, you guys are, are, are doing a big deal this, I mean, it's a big deal this week. You're going to mow yards and clean up and, and relate with these, uh, these, these families, some that you met last year and probably some new families. But at the same time, you're not doing that just because it's a good thing. That's one of the reasons you're doing it, but you're doing it because of Jesus Christ. You're taking his name to these people who need help. Maybe some of them know Christ, maybe some of them don't. But we're doing it because of what Christ has done for us and his proclamation, his commission that he has given us to take his message to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Acts, Peter uh, does a great job of communicating to us that when it comes to our sin, helpless is that beggar in the sight of the Lord. We need those words spoken to us as well. Stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. You and I in the room are blessed with material things, possessions. Uh, we're b blessed with the affluence that is, is America and is, is, is your world today, at least for many in the room. I don't wanna say for everyone, but for many, we are, we are blessed people. And silver and gold, maybe we, some of us would say, yeah, we need a little bit of that, but silver and gold, we don't necessarily need. But what, that, what was given to that beggar is the same thing that you and I are in need of today. And that is salvation and that is forgiveness of sins. So what does all this imply for us? Two things as I begin to close. Two things, if the supremacy of Jesus and his claims for salvation are true, number one is it implies a sense of urgency in understanding and communicating our faith. It implies a sense of urgency in understanding and communicating our faith. The second thing is that it implies courage. And let me explain this. Sometimes there is reckless courage. Courage when we don't know what we're getting into and we just step out there and we're hardly aware of the dangers we're facing. But Peter and John's courage and the courage that Christ would have us to have, I believe, is a far greater, higher, cool courage which knows the danger in which it stands and refuse, refuses to be sidetracked. It was the second courage that Peter and later all the disciples demonstrated. Peter didn't have that courage as he walked with Christ closer than any of the other disciples did. That was courageous. But his courage started to wane as he's standing before and, and these young, sometimes girls and others are asking him, aren't you a disciple? Weren't you with Jesus? This is one of his disciples. Three times, then the rooster crowed. Doesn't seem like the same man, does it, that we read about here in Acts chapter four today, who's standing before these religious leaders knowing that his life is at stake, courageously proclaiming Christ and salvation through him. It's the same courage that Christians throughout the ages have demonstrated. As I referenced the Reformation and Martin Luther, we think of Zwingli and we think of John Calvin, you think of Huss, you think of others from that period of history that stood and boldly proclaimed salvation in Christ alone. When Achilles the Great, the great warrior of the Greeks, was told that if he went out to battle, he would surely die, he answered in the immortal sentence, nevertheless, I am for going on. Peter in that moment knew the peril in which he stood. Nevertheless, he too was for going on. He stood and boldly proclaimed to all present that there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Where are you today, church, in your understanding of Jesus Christ? And where are you today, church, in your courage to stand for Jesus Christ? As we read throughout Acts, and we're gonna see this over the next few weeks, men, women as well, who had courage to stand, not knowing what the results were gonna be after they stood for Jesus Christ. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. My hope and prayer is that each of us grow in our faith as we look to Christ to emulate him and to grow in him and to look more like Christ in, in the coming days. My hope and prayer is that we will have a greater understanding of who he is and why he came and what he's done in us and what he's doing in our world today and that you and I will have the courage to stand and boldly proclaim Christ in ways and in settings sometimes that it would be much easier for us to back down and to simply be quiet.
Let's pray together. Lord, take the courage and the boldness of Peter and John and place it in our hearts. Give us courage to stand and to look the world in the eyes and if needed, stand alone and say that there is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ, the Lord. We know, Father, that following you is not always easy and that tough times will come. So, Father, today we ask for your strength. I pray for these youth once again as they go to Thomasville this week, that they will uh, have the strength to do the physical deeds, Lord, that you would have them to do. But, Lord, I pray that this would be a spiritual growth week for them as well as they serve, that, Lord, they'll also have times uh, where they reflect on what they're doing and why they're doing it, and that they will do it for the name of Jesus Christ. Father, help each of us as we go about uh, our places of employment, as we go uh, to the different places that the summer sometimes can often take us to. Lord, help us to boldly proclaim your name through our actions and our words as we go about our lives this summer. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in the one who brings salvation, I invite you boldly and unashamedly to put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning. If you're here today and maybe you just simply need some courage, maybe this has been a wake-up call for you that uh, the Lord is, is calling you to be courageous in your workplace or in your school or wherever you may be each day. And let this be a challenge for you this morning. Let's stand and sing together. Hymn number 581, we have heard the joyful sound. Let's stand and sing together. If you desire church membership, I'd love to talk with you about that as well. Let's stand and sing.